Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Malachi, chapter 2. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Notice the contrast from the ideal to the real, from what they were supposed to be to what they are today. Truth is, the priest should keep knowledge and be able to share God's word, but they have departed from God's way. They have caused many to stumble at God's word. And, and God says, you've corrupted the covenant and you've shown partiality in the word. Verse nine. You know, I heard I heard a story recently. This woman said that she came from a church where the pastor would use his sermons to blast whoever he was mad at at the church. And before the service, get this, that's horrible, but it even gets worse. Before the service, he would walk up to them and say, I want you to listen real good this morning because this sermon is for you. That is just awful. That is terrible. You see, you can show partiality. Here's my point. You can show partiality positively or negatively. You can. And that's again why we're talking about the word and the responsibility of the priest as it relates to the word. That is why I and what I love about verse by verse through the Bible teaching. This week's sermon, listen, this week's sermon was already there last week. I, I, I didn't pick and choose. I don't get to pick and choose what I'm going to talk about. I don't take people's business to the pulpit. If I know a sin that a person is struggling with, I don't preach against it on Sunday. If someone gets upset or, or, or makes me angry, I preach on them. I, I mean, I don't preach on them. I'm sorry. Oh, let slip. Y'all like, what? <laughs> I don't preach. No, I don't do that because look, God says here, the priests were showing partiality in the teaching of the word and thus they were bringing judgment on themselves. Listen, the pulpit should never be a place where the pastor is venting his feelings. You know, people have come up and I've said things from the pulpit and, and, and teaching the word of God and people have come up and said, you know, when my wife was talking to you. When does she have an opportunity to tell you the things that we were talking about and going on in our home and that kind of thing? And I can't believe you would address those things from the pulpit. I'm like, no, I really am not addressing those things from the pulpit. As a matter of fact, who are you? And who's your wife? I don't know, y'all. Who are you? Well, you mean my wife didn't talk to you about that? I don't know, no, I don't even know you. You see, this is the power of the word of God. This is the power of the teaching of the word of God. God's word is able, y'all listen to me closely. God's word is able to touch you and air. Look, I don't even have to be teaching anything near your topic. 
And isn't the Holy Spirit amazing how he can speak to you in areas in your life and stuff we wasn't even reading here? And I've told you, people have come up afterward and said, you know, Pastor Roddy, when you said this and you said that, oh, it just touched me, bless me, change me, blah, 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 blah. And they're going on and on about what I said, and I didn't say that. And I know I didn't say that. And they're going on and on, oh, yes, oh, when you said this and you said that. But see, it wasn't me that said it. When you teach God's word, God's word goes into the heart and does the work and speaks in areas that we're not really even addressing. But this is the power, the supernatural power of the word of God. This is why the Bible says that God's word is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. God's word is living. The books that you read, that you got off of New York Times bestseller, they're not living. Harlequin romance and Jacqueline Steele and is there a Jacqueline Steele? Well, y'all know what I'm talking about anyway. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> Whoever, there's a Steele person. Danielle Steele. That's what I said. If y'all just listen to me. See, the Holy Spirit got y'all all jumbled up. Right? <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> But God's word is so powerful. It's just an amazing thing. So I don't have to, you know, decide what to preach. And, and that's a good thing about teaching God's word, too. I've never, I've never run out of sermons, and I can talk forever. Don't, nobody say amen. <laughs> Ushers? Now you are an usher. I can't get you out of here. She said, he is an usher. Well, then get yourself out. <laughs> God's word is so powerful. Amen, saints. Oh, well, let me move on. Look at verse 10. Have we not all one father? Has not one God created us? Now, this is not talking about the universal fatherhood of God. Have we not all one father? Has not one God created us? Why do we deal treacherously with one another? By profaning the covenant of the fathers. Judah has dealt treacherously, and an abomination has been committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. Here's what the abomination was. For Judah has profaned the Lord's holy institution. What do you think that is? Marriage, which he loves. He has married the daughter of a foreign god. May the Lord cut off from the tents of Jacob the man who does this being awake and aware, yet who brings an offering to the Lord of hosts. Now stop right there. Here we are now in the second part of uh, the fourth point in God's contention against the people. The people were deserting their wives. Notice, first of all, Malachi says we have one father and we are one family. Why are we fighting as if we are not? We deal with each other treacherously, he says. But I mean, think about it like this. In a nation or a people or a church where God's word isn't taught and the law has been set aside, well, then the attitude will be that of treachery. And then that attitude filters its way into the home. And so God says, Judah has dealt treacherously and there have been an abomination committed. What is the abomination? The abomination, I've told you already, is marriage. They were intermarrying. They were marrying outside of the Jewish race of people. 
They were marrying, marrying foreign women. Now listen close. When the people, perhaps you know this, when the people got back in the land and they were intermarrying foreign women, Ezra, you remember the story? Ezra saw that they were intermarrying and Ezra tore his beard out and he wept. Conversely, when Nehemiah saw the people were intermarrying with foreign gods and foreign you know, women and that kind of thing and, and partaking of foreign gods, Nehemiah, he saw the same thing that Ezra saw and Nehemiah tore their beard out and they wept. I, I like the Nehemiah ministry. I ain't ripping my own beard out. Look, if something wrong with you, then I'll rip your beard out. All right. And they wept. You see, God told them, and of course you know this, God told them that when they came into the land, they were to cast out and not marry the Hittite, the Canaanite, the Jebusite, the termites, the <laughs> parasites, and all the other ites. And he told them not to do that. He didn't want them to marry. See, God is not into mixed marriage. God is not into mixed marriage. Now, what's mixed marriage? Is that black folks marrying white folks? Oriental folks marrying Indian folks? No. I know that's been something that's been taught a long time, but that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible doesn't say black folks and white folks can't marry. When the Bible talks about intermarriage, God is talking about believers marrying unbelievers. Did you know? Say amen if you knew that. <laughs> believers marrying unbelievers. God does not care what color of skin you marry into. God, could, you can marry somebody purple. Although that would be weird. But you could if that person were on the earth. And God would not, who cares about the color of the skin? I've learned that people are people. We all have the same struggles and all deal with the same thing. We all got the same president. I'm not saying anything for or, or against. I'm just making a point. Is that all right? I'm just making a point. It's not a political statement. We all have the same dealings and and people are people. God does not. But see, God does care when believers marry unbelievers or his people were marrying outside of the Jewish Israeli people. God does care. Oh, we have a scripture in the, in the New Testament. You know that in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. It says, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers for what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness and what communion has light with darkness and what accord has Christ with the devil or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? What does what kind of fellowship? There is no fellowship between light and darkness and Christians and non-Christians. And that's why here at Calvary Chapel, the leadership, we refuse to marry a non-believer and a believer. We will never marry a Christian to a non-Christian. And it's not because we don't like non-Christians. Because quite honestly, I know some wonderful unbelievers who are wonderful, wonderful people, sweet people. It's not because we don't like them. It's because God forbids it. That's why. People say, oh, but we have such common interests. You know, we like the same things. I mean... 
People from Pastor Rodney, well, I'm going to get married. Really, my first question is, and you know, if you've talked to me about this, you know my first question is this. Is he a believer? Um, well, we have common interest. I know trouble on the horizon. We have common interest. Oh, Pastor Rodney, we just, we, we, we love to ski. And, and we love hiking. And, and we love mountain climbing and bungee jumping. And I'm like, what are you, both nuts? <laughs> bungee jumping? Why would anybody in their right mind bungee jump? What if that thing snaps? I hope you are a believer if it snaps, because you're out. Well, but we've got the same interests. I mean, we, we like bowling, we like movies, we've got this common interest. But let me share something with you. After having been married for 23, fellas, take notes. After having been married for 23 Wonderful short years. <laughs> See, fellas, take notes now. That's how you do that, okay? If you say after 23 long years, feel more like 46, you know, <laughs> you might want to see if you can sleep at the church, okay? Because you probably ain't going home. But after having been married for wonderful, wonderful, honestly, I do mean that, um, wonderful years with my wife, Elvira, you know, I have learned that, that common interests do not keep marriage alive. Common bonds and covenant, write that down, common bonds and covenant keep marriage alive. Not common interest, common bond. And a covenant keeps marriage alive. You see, if you've got common interests, but you don't have a common bond, you won't be going in the same direction. You're going to be pulling against each other. You have two totally different worldviews. If you're a believer and your husband's an unbeliever or whichever, you've got two totally different worldviews. I mean, the Holy Spirit is working in one and he's not working in the other. You want to raise the kids with a particular set of morals and the other is different. You know, you believe you ought to attend a certain type of church and the other doesn't care for church. You've got a set of ethics and, you, and they have a set of ethics. And it just gets worse and worse and worse and worse because you are growing in a certain direction and they are not. And you start to grow apart. That's why there needs to be a common bond. You understand that God understands marriage. He understands what it takes to make it work because he created it. God was the first wedding planner. You ever thought of that? He was the first one to officiate weddings. So he was the first matchmaker. Hey, thank you, Holy Spirit. Just thought of that one. He was the first matchmaker. He brought them together. And so God understands these things. So common bond is very important. And that's why you don't want to marry a person that is not a believer. Single sister, single brother, listen and hear me. You do not want to marry a non-believer. Somebody say amen. amen. You don't want to marry. You would be better off being with yourself by yourself. 
Well, I've been praying for a prayer life. I, I, <laughs> stop. I'm, I'm pray, I mean, I'm, I mean, I mean, I really mean that. You, you know, I've been praying for a prayer life. Oh, I've been wanting to have a deep, intimate, spiritual prayer life. I'll tell you what. Marry a non-believer and you will get one. You understand? Marry a non-believer and you'll get one. You'll become a prayer warrior. They'll start calling you old callous knees because you'll always be on them. You would be better off by yourself than to marry a non-believer because it's nothing but problems and I've only seen it that way and God says that. Being unequally yoked isn't just relating to relationships, by the way. It also relates to, and I'm touch this and I'm, I'm leaving this topic. In business, you can be unequally yoked in business with people and you don't want to do that either. When the Bible says when you yoke up with someone, that speaks of relationship. That speaks of intimacy and relationship. And you don't want to have intimacy and relationship with someone who does not know God because you will be pulling against each other in business, in marriage, in relationship, in school, at work, at rest, at play. You name it. God's word is right. And every man be a liar. Well, you just don't understand. I, I just love him. You know what? I, I do understand that. But I know God's word. God's word says, obey me and watch me bless you. God will send you a Christian man. God will send you a Christian woman. But you have to wait. You must wait on the Lord. You see? Wait on the Lord. Well, look at verse, uh, look at verse 13. And, and, and this is the second thing you do in verse 13. You cover the altar of the Lord with your tears. <laughs> this is a trip. You cover the altar of the Lord with your tears, with, with weeping and crying, so he does not regard the offering anymore, nor receive it with goodwill from your hands. Yet you say, for what reason? Because the Lord has been witness. Would you underline that? Because the Lord has been witness between you and the wife of your youth, with whom you have dealt treacherously, yet she is your companion. That's so true. And your wife, by Covenant. You see, marriage is about covenant. Marriage is not about love. What, Rodney? That's right. Marriage is not about love. And see, that's what happens. I marry people. I'm doing a wedding on Saturday. And, and, and they, they're going to stand there and they're going to look at each other in the eyes and I'm going to be going over the wedding vows and they're just going to be repeating those words. They ain't going to hear a word I'm saying. <laughs> Because they just say, oh my gosh, you are so cute. <laughs> oh, that nose. That nose. Mm, that's the cutest thing I ever saw. You are the best thing since sliced bread. That's what they're thinking. I know they're not listening to me. I understand that. That's why my weddings are fairly short. Because they ain't listening to me no way. <laughs> they stand up basking in each other's eyes and all that. And from where I stand, it's kind of syrupy. I mean, it's like, oh. They ain't listening to me. Because they're in love. Y'all in love. And that's all you can feel is love. <laughs> Give it a couple years. <laughs> Where's the love? I don't think I love you anymore. Well, whoever said marriage was about love? 
And whoever said marriage is about love, they're wrong. Marriage is not about love. Marriage is about commitment and covenant, of which, by the way, according to the scriptures, God was witness to because the Lord, look at verse 14, because the Lord has been witness. You understand that when you get married, you get married before your family and your friends and each other and God. God is witness to these things. So you should remember that. She's your companion and your wife by covenant. But he did not make this one having a remnant of the spirit. And why one? He seeks godly offspring. Therefore, take heed to your spirit. That's interesting. And let none deal treacherously with the wife of his youth. For the Lord God of Israel says that he hates divorce, for it covers one's garment with violence, says the Lord of hosts. Therefore, take heed to your spirit that you do not notice. Take heed to your spirit twice. Take heed to your spirit that you do not deal treacherously. Now, so they're intermarrying. Give me your attention. They're intermarrying pagan women, sinning against God, living in total hypocrisy, and still coming to church, offering their sacrifice. So they came weeping. Oh, God, I'm a backslider. Oh, God, I'm a jerk. Oh, God, I'm messing up my family and destroying my wife and my children, destroying my husband, and, and you know, going right out from weeping in God's presence to living the way that they were. Now, let me share something with you here. God, and of course you know this, God is not seeking contrition. God is seeking conformity to truth. He's not seeking contrition. He's seeking conformity to truth, conformity to what he says. And so God says, I am a witness in verse 14. I was a witness at the wedding when you said for better or for worse in sickness and in health till death do us part. And then you go out, God is saying, and divorce your wife. And basically notice he says, the, the, he talks about the wife of their youth. Look, let, let none deal treacherously, verse 15, with the wife of his youth. You see that? So you go out and divorce your wife. And basically what they were doing is what guys do today, quite honestly. They were going out, they were divorcing their wives and then going to marry some 20-year-old chickadee. Don't ask me where I got chickadee from. Chickadee woman. Some young girl. You see, they were doing that in those days and they're doing it today too. You know, it, it seems like the whole nation at this time was going through like a midlife crisis. The whole nation... I mean, they seem to have been trying out the younger, new, more sportier models. You know, which is stupid. I mean, think about that. Why try a new model when you have a model that has been road tested and approved and running great? I think I'll take the model that's running great. Amen, fellas? Well, I go out and get, you know, I'm going to get me a new model. You see these guys going through midlife crisis. They get a, got to get a red Corvette. Big gold chain, change the hair color and all that stuff. Get a new wife. That's, they were doing the same thing here. You know, it was Agatha Christie who said, women marry an archaeologist because the older you get, the more interested they become in you. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? Interesting here. Well, I think what I'm going to do I'm going to pick up 
the next time in verse 16. Because we have too much to talk about. Look at it, verse 16. For the Lord God of Israel says that he hates divorce. I'm going to tell you right up front, and you can write this in your Bible. He hates divorce. He doesn't hate divorced people. And that's what we're going to talk about next time. Because I'm out of time. And I don't want to rush through this. Because i got a lot to say about that. So, um, God hates divorce. For it covers one's garment with violence. Therefore, take heed to your spirit. That you do not deal treacherously. We are going to pick up our study the next time in Malachi chapter 2 in verse 16. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.